correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve. Well, I'm Steve, and that over there is Steve too. Hi. And uh, we're back for another episode, or shenanigans or something. Anyway. Yeah, we're back for something. (laughs) You sound a little under the weather today. Uh, man, allergies are terrible. That'll happen. I usually don't have bad ones, but like I have like these, like I have perpetual like mild sinus congestion, like almost constantly, and it's kind of annoying. Every now and then I get uh, get worse ones, but in any case, we're going to do a podcast. Are we? Yeah. Well, that's the, the whole kind of thing that we do here, right? Is is it? Well, but before we do our podcast, let's talk about another podcast on the D20 oh, Network. Yeah. Uh, what's what's that called? Order 66 podcast? I don't think anybody's ever heard of that show. The Order 66 podcast? No. Nobody, nobody listens. No. At least they didn't no. used to. I don't know. Do they still do that, that bit? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those where I really, really want to go back and listen to the entire run, but there's so much of it. hours and hours and hours of podcast but uh it is everything you ever needed wanted or probably could think of to know about the star wars role-playing game and if you're really really bored they have a whole nother feed that i think is called order 66 saga edition which was all the stuff from before ffg took over star wars so there's many many hours of star wars knowledge yeah and if you're still bored what's wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but yeah gm chris gm phil and whoever else happens to join them talk about all things star wars there's really not much else to say they're nice people we've talked to both of them good folks and uh so with that i think we're gonna talk about our stuff or something. oh yeah and well you know between your uh grass cutting induced fog and me being busy and life in general grass cutting induced fog that sounds wrong that sounds like I was doing something else. <laughs> but uh, so, I wish this was a grass cutting induced fog. I do, but it was not. It, this is a much worse situation. <laughs> well, however you wish to spin it. <laughs> so, for lack of any better inspiration, we had a couple minor ideas, but we asked the Discord. Yeah. Hey, guess what? We did it again. If you want to be an active member of this show. All you got to do is join our Discord, because every once in a while, and it's getting a little more frequent than once in a while, but every once in a while, we'll throw up in the Discord and be like, hey, we need a topic idea for like 10 minutes from now. And we'll give you 10 minutes to come up with a topic idea you'd like to hear us ramble on about for an hour-ish. Mm-hmm. And so also, that is, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, and also just the general conversation sometimes spur thoughts of, hey, we could do a show on that. Yeah, seriously. But... Um, yeah, come join our Discord. Great people over on our Discord. Yep. So, yeah, and the link for that's in the show notes, like all our other links and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, 
we got a couple of suggestions, and uh, I think we're going to probably touch on both of them. Although the one that I think probably we'll spend the most time on is rules versus fun. Yeah, I I think it depends on the system. <laughs> well, yeah, I and see this some of this this will come out after the episode that uh, well you were away that I recorded with Steve D from Ten Star Games, and we spent a decent amount of time talking about kind of like why system matters and how system matters. Right. And so I think that kind of ties into this a little bit, but like you always kind of come up into those circumstances where, well, the rules say we should do it this way, but man, that's boring and takes a lot of time or you say you can't. That's why I prefer systems. That's why I prefer rule sets that just get out of the way of what I want to do. Well, yeah. And I mean, we just literally last night, wrapped up our little mini campaign in, in Mutant City Blues, which was our first experience using Gumshoe. Yes. And I don't know that we played it entirely rules as written, but we didn't deviate that much. No, there was definitely some stuff that got like thrown out the window because I don't know, that's too many words. <laughs> but like we were talking about it after we wrapped up the, those of us, you know, that were involved and, and we just all kind of said, you know, it was really nice because to a certain point, we didn't really use the game system for much during play. No, the the game system only needed to be interacted with when it needed to be interacted with. And I know that sounds weird, but it, it just was like during play, a lot of it is just role playing. And then when you were struggling to find a clue, it was like, well, now we have to interact with the game system. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah. Like the, the system did what it needed to. And that was pretty much all it did. And that was, you know, I don't want to complain about anything, but it was, it was very nice to have a system that that was all it did. It just gets out of its own way. It just, yeah. like sometimes you play a game and I'm going to say this and I know sometimes you play a game like D and D and it's any edition of D and D. It doesn't matter what version of it. And that system gets in its own way. Yeah, it does or can. And I think maybe that's, that's where, you know, rules versus fun is, is kind of focused at in a way is, you know, like, what do you do when, when the rules say you can't, but it'd be more fun to do it anyway. You just do it anyways. I was going to say, that's my answer is, yeah, we're just going to do it anyway and we'll figure out a way to justify it or we'll just toss the rule book out the window. That's, you know. (laughs) That's what I prefer. I'll throw the whole rule book out the window before I, before you make me follow those stupid rules. But I mean, at the same point, you know, then how do you keep the game from just turning into a gonzo fest? And I think that's... That's where you as the GM have to step in. Yeah. That's the difference between, like, I have on multiple occasions, especially when I was early running D&D, because I was running D&D for players that didn't know the rule set. I frequently just took rules and threw them out and was like, nope, I don't like how that works. I'm throwing it out the window. And if anybody has a problem with it, they can bring it up with me because, you know, I'm the end all be all when it comes to this campaign. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I did when I was when I was young. And then I realized that, well, that's actually not a bad habit to get into because it's a it's a thing that people have a hard time getting over. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a thing that I just I don't care. I just want to play pretend with my friends. But some people have a hard time getting in that mindset of, I don't care what the rules say. I just want to play pretend with my friends. Yeah. Well, that's true. 
and I think that comes down to player types and, you know, what your goals are as far as, as a player. And even, you know, if you're the GM, you're still a player too, right? You know, but are you, why do you play games, right? You know, do you, do you play them to see how much you can manipulate the system to your advantage? Is that where you get your enjoyment or do you play it to see the looks you can generate on the other people at the table's faces? I've done both of those things. And I can tell you that I've played with a lot of people who will, you know, they want to, they want to get the most out of the system while simultaneously wanting to like, they want to manipulate the system. We played with a guy that did that a lot. Mm -hmm. And to keep them happy, you just sort of, like you keep certain rule sets that keep them happy and then you throw the rest out the window. And typically if you're picking and choosing based on the table, it's not a bad thing. No, I just think if you're doing that, you have to be careful to apply it uniformly. Yes. You have to be fair. You can't, you can't be unfair about what rules you're throwing out and what rules you're keeping, but that's true across everything. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know for me, I mean, it comes down to why are we playing the game in the first place? And the purpose of playing the game is to have overall an enjoyable experience. What you define as enjoyable is where it gets muddy, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's where different player types come in and all that fun stuff. But what I'm more driving at is the why we're playing the game. Yes, at an abstract, that's true. But at a more focused in dialed in version why are we playing this game it's because it tells this type of story well and i think in the tabletop rpg community and not just in the D community we need to keep in mind that we do jump system because different systems tell different stories better right like gumshoe tells the exact type of like detective investigation cop drama story mm -hmm. that something like D D really can't do you couldn't tell me that dungeons and dragons could do that same exact campaign and we would have just as much fun you'd be rolling dice every two minutes and well that comes to could you do it with D D? yes probably but the system you? doesn't facilitate it as well right and and the question then becomes should you do it with D D? no probably not <laughs> yeah or you know any number of like even, okay, that game with Genesis. I don't think it works with Genesis. I don't, yeah, it, because Genesis in a certain way is predicated on you need the dice rolls to move things, and a lot of what we did in that game was just acted stuff out and went, okay, I'm going to do this thing, you know, I'm going to poke this with a stick, what happens? And, you know, a lot of it was not, it was, I'm going to look over here, what do I see? Well, we're already trained investigators, you know, we're, we're law enforcement officers. So yes, you could say we'll roll and, and go based off that. But at the same time, I think that that falls on. So I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but that falls on the DM song, which is like, I look over here. What do I see? Well, what specifically are you looking for? Which is the next follow-up question that I have. Is there yeah. something in particular you're looking for? If the answer is yes, then okay, I'm going to need you to make a check because now you're searching specifically for something. Yeah, no, that's fair. But like, okay. Versus, versus, I look over here, what do I see? Well, you'll see this. 
and you give a general description. And if that's sufficient enough, then the player is happy and they move on or they go over and investigate further and like start poking around. At that point, you know, you're, you're actively actively interacting with the scene. We don't have to, I don't feel it necessary at that point because you're professionals to make you roll a check unless you're trying to do something like, like a gathering evidence type thing where you're trying to be very gentle with the thing that you found. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's one thing like, okay, you're trying to lift a partial print off a window frame. Right. In, in, in the context of, of gumshoe, that would be a point spend, but it's still the same kind of thing applies. Yeah. And, and it makes sense that it's a point spend. It makes sense that, that that's just, you don't have to actually roll dice. You just do it. You know, if I go, Hey, I'm going to collect these stones that are in this parking lot. Okay. You, you know, you're, you're going to have a, an envelope or, you know, dust pan, whatever you're, you have the stuff to do it. You sweep them up and you put them in a thing, you know, like me in real only has one good eye. I can see if I swept the rocks into a bag. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, we were talking about last night. You wanted, uh, I made you do a preparedness type thing because you were like, uh, do I have this tranquilizer kit with, with me? Right. Well, not that I could think you would, you know what I mean? Well, right. That was, but I asked you that specifically because I didn't want to just say, well, I would have this because it's what we do, but it's also something I put points into. And given the context of the game, I felt it not outlandish to ask if I might have that, like, you know, can I effectively spend points or make a roll on this to see if I do have it? Because in a story context, that would have gotten a whole lot different probably had I not had that, it it could have gone sideways, and that's again one of those situations where it comes down to the player doing player thing, right? Like right. to sit there and say, "Oh, well, it comes down to the player to do the right thing." Well, yes, technically, but it also comes down to the player to ask the right questions, which is something that I find I have to teach new players a lot of time, and I have to teach veteran players a lot of time. That's fair. I think, yeah, that's. I have, I have in many cases been playing with recently veteran players who are like, well, I don't know how to do this. Well, what are you looking for? Well, then say that that's what you're looking for. I'm looking for this. Okay. You find it. (laughs) Well, I think some game systems tend to promote, what do you want to say? Find a skill and roll on it where other systems tend to promote, tell me what you want to do and we'll figure out what, if, what, and if we need to roll. Right, right. Well, that's the, I mean, that's a big difference between Genesis and D&D. Yeah. And I, for for our play styles, I think we very much fall into the latter category. You know. This is what I want. How do I get there? Yes. Not not the reverse. Okay, I'm here. What do I need? Yeah. And and I think, yeah. it. And somehow I think this this does tie into rules versus fun in that, you know, are you playing strictly by the rules, which may say, if if you're going to look for something, make a perception check. Well, right. Yes, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and that's the other, I think, you know, as, as GM Chris told us way, way back, you know, his, his philosophy and, you know, Genesis really kind of brings us to the front. But in, in most games, I think it's a good practice that don't, roll unless failure is interesting 
Well, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that, and I think that's something. However, I think in some systems, some systems dice rolls are necessary, even if failure isn't interesting. Okay. I'm curious to hear where your brain's at with this. So I always say, I, I change that a little. I say don't roll unless a result is interesting, right? So failure is it, failure can be one thing. Success can be another, right? Mm-hmm. Critical success is something completely different, but a system like uh, a system like, let's say, the beautiful simplicity that is Warkborg or Cyborg specifically, I'm going to make you roll for everything that everything I can make you roll for because that system punishes you hard, and that's the point of it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it yeah. and it doesn't necessarily mean that failure is super interesting. It just means that. You're going to get punished because you failed to do the thing you were trying to do. Right. Stuff goes sideways. Stuff goes sideways. And that's the point of that system. Mm-hmm. That's true. So while I agree with what Chris was saying, I've changed my methodology of thinking around that idea. I think it, what he said is right, but a little bit too broad. I think it needs to be more focused on. Sorry, I have allergy brain. And... Well, no, I think what you're saying is effectively, if only one side of the the result means anything, then just do it in advance. Yes. If either, if A or B is interesting, then yes. Or if, on, you know, yeah, only roll if it really makes a difference. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. It's, I don't know. Like I said, it just, the way that we played that, that gumshoe game just felt, and I'm not saying that, that I felt dissatisfied in other games that we've played where we did roll more because rolling dice is kind of fun. But at the same point, it was, it was like a whole new taste to, to just kind of let what happens happens. And, Oh, well, we need to make a check here. Okay. But they also carry so much more weight when there's less of them. And that's kind of fun. Well, you feel like you're doing something important at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, the the 16th time you've rolled dice in D&D in one session, it's it's a different problem. Yeah, yeah. Like you sit there and you're like, "Okay, I I I want to look for up oh, make a perception check." Okay, all right. Uh what's all right? Okay. Or I you know, I'm listening. Up oh, make a uh, okay, all right. Uh are these berries edible? Well, you know, go ahead and make a you know, make a wild check. Okay, all right. Uh you know what I mean? Like, and that's fun, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I heard, and I'm, uh, we'll kind of go into this a little bit. And I think this, this kind of does tie into rules versus fun a bit. Um, I know I recommended this to you. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it yet. Our friend Liam from Toa Tabletop, formerly Mud and Blood, did a, uh, a two-part interview with Jim Davis from WebDM. Yes, I did get a chance to start that. Very interesting conversations. And uh, Jim was talking about this this theory that he puts into play, both with D&D for him and other games. And it brought up an approach that I've been, I think I've thought it, but I haven't known how to say it. And at, at some point, I'd, I'd love to try and get Jim on and, and us have a conversation with him directly around this. But he talked about playing the world, not your character sheet. And by that, you know, he meant don't look at your character sheet all the time and go, what can I do? 
he went meant look at the situation and think how would my character react see and again i've said it before and i'll say it again that's why i like systems like genesis that don't lay out exact things that you can do they just give you generalized skills mhm right like D&D is really in my opinion rough when it comes to especially 5th edition. 2nd edition not or no, AD&D not so much. 5th edition is really rough when it comes to that type of thing because that it just comes out as like here's a list of things you can do. Yeah, you know I what I mean. 4th edition was exceptionally bad that way. Well, yeah. And I mean, as much as I love Cyberpunk 2020, I acknowledge that it has the same problem of here's a list of things you can do. No, it does. And and that's it's a broader list, I think, but it's still there. It also railroads your players into thinking that they can only do those things. Right. And I think that's where that's where I have issues with with systems like that because like gumshoe, you guys had all these things that you could do and very generalized terms on your skill sets to the point at which sometimes you guys were asking me, "Well, what can I do with this?" Oh, what do you want to do? What are you trying to make? What other options do you have? You know, and I think that's a, it's a player skill set. And I know we talk, it's a hobby. It's a fun thing to do, but you are building skills. I, I, uh, I'm going to go off on a little tangent. There's a guy I follow on TikTok, uh, Matt Stormcrow. He's a very big vampire, the masquerade LARP runner. He's cool, dude. I love his content. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, he's like, well, it's just a hobby. It's not, you don't really need to build skills. It's just, you know, it's just a hobby. Yeah, you can get better, but, you know, nobody's going to be a professional at it. Yeah, I, to a point, I agree with that. I think the only professionals in the industry are the ones that are, I mean, there are professional DMs, and I'm not giving anybody crap if, if you're a professional DM, but I think a lot of the time the professionals that are in the industry are the writers, the artists, the those are professionals, right? Mm-hmm. But I disagree with him in the sense that it's just a hobby. You can't, there's no, there's no skills to hone. No, there's skills to hone. Oh, very there's much. things to learn. There's ways to get better as a player and as a GM. There's ways to be, you know, I get the mentality behind it. He was saying that as a way to be like, don't let anybody tell you that, they're an expert over you and, and you don't know what you're doing. And I understand that mentality. I agree with it. That, that side of a statement. Yes. But the idea that you can't do better is crap. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, yes. You can. And I think that's kind of been kind of one of our goals. And it's not that we're trying to tell you, Hey, we're experts. Do it the way we say it. What no, I think... I'm no, I'm no expert. I, I have no more knowledge than the next guy. Right. I just happen to have a, a loud mouth and opinion. Like, <laughs> well, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've been opinionated my entire life. So, <laughs> well, I you think, know. though, part of what do you want to say? Part of our, our thing is it's not necessarily that we want you to hear exactly what we say and then go apply that thing. It's more, I think, in a lot of ways, our conversations are really more about getting you to think about how and why you do things and go, well, what if I do this differently? You know, will I get a result that is more enjoyable for me? Yeah. Yeah. What if I do this? What if I do this this way? Right. Oh, well, yeah, you can. Why not? And I think that's part of another thing 
yeah, I think that's part of something bigger that we tend to lose sight of, especially in, in role-playing games, is don't be afraid to do the wild, crazy thing. And we've talked about that before, too, where it's like, ah, well, yeah, sometimes you just got to go gonzo. Well, yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes that's where the fun is. Yeah. Do you think I expected one of my players to charge the big bad guy who, at the very least, you know, can fly? No, I didn't expect that. But he did. And yeah, it made for an interesting bit of monologuing. Yeah. But I think, see, for me, that's part of the reason I like playing RPGs is because you have those moments where the things you weren't expecting happened. Well, in other media, because RPGs are media, in other media, oftentimes characters don't do things. Yes, sometimes they do things that fail, but they don't do the they don't do the crazy thing that fails, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's always the planning meeting where they're sitting down and they're like, "All right, we're going to uh Star Wars. We talk about Star Wars a lot. I'll, I'll go ahead and use Star Wars as an example. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing, and we're going to sit in this space and talk about how we're doing the trench run, right? Mm-hmm. The trench run was like the best, safest option for them. They were like, well, we can, we need somebody who can do this. Luke was like, well, yeah, that's, I'm used to shooting womp rats. It's fine. I can handle that. They're like, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Well, then I guess that's the plan. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Yeah. Luke wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to cruise past, roll my window down and throw the thing out the window. Right. Yeah, it was. But I think in an RPG, you get the the moments where, you know, you do the crazy thing like the and I forget exactly what all it was. But when they injected this stuff into the hyperdrive in in solo that led to them making the Kessel run in you know, whatever it was, parsecs or, or whatever. You know, you do the the weird crazy thing because oh what the heck let's see what happens right you know and yeah and 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 many times I don't think there's there's not rules for that no. or if there are you probably don't know them which means you have to stop and look it up and that well, breaks the 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 flow the the anticipation yeah. my thing is just keep the game moving yeah. I, I used to be that person that would stop and look up rules and like, oh, well, what's the book actually say? No, I just, at this point, I don't care. I'm going to keep the game moving. I'll look at it after we're done. If I honestly, if it bothered me enough to look it up, I'll look it up after we're done. And then I'll come back next session and be like, hey, remember that cool thing we did? Yeah, the book says this, but we're going to keep doing it that way. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, I talked about the way I used to run Horror Factor and Riffs. And then I found out the way you're supposed to do it. I presented it to the players and they all went, no, the way we've been doing it is more fun. Exactly. I think that's something that you just have to, that's one of those ones where you just have to go, yeah, I'm just going to make a ruling on the fly. I'm not going to look up the rules for this because it's not worth it. Nine times out of 10, it's not worth it. There's no, no reason to stop the game, drag it to a halt to look up this one particular thing. Like, Unless you need time to analyze what the players are trying to do, there's no reason to stop the game and drag it to a halt like that. But I think, though, there's a difference, and, and Amber mentioned this when we were talking about GM anxiety, there's a difference between stopping the game and telling everyone, you know, go get a snack, go use the bathroom, you know, whatever. I need a couple minutes to get my head around this, and hang on, let me look this up, which is everyone sitting there watching you flip through a book. Yeah, yeah. 
even if while everyone goes and does their other thing, you sit there and flip through a book. I don't know. It feels different is all I, all I can tell you. Yeah. Well, how many times have we been sitting at a table where GM is like, uh, 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 I, I don't think that's how that works. I'm going to look it up. Well, no, please don't please just like, you can tell me I can't, I'm okay with you telling me, I don't think you can do that. Yeah. I'm okay with no, no works. <laughs> like <laughs> then I move on to plan E, you know, but right. Like if you're not comfortable enough to even look it up in the rule book, just say no, just be like, I know you want to do this, but I, it's not going to work for you. Oh, okay. Nine times out of 10, that's fine. Or let them do it and then let them fail. Yeah. Failure is an interesting result most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in cases where rules are in question, just, well, yeah, you can do this, but you're going to have to make a check and because you're doing the thing that you're doing, it's going to be super difficult. So the check's going to be like asinine difficulty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. What's I don't know. that daunting difficulty in Genesis. <laughs> yeah. And you're probably going to fail at this and also maybe get a whatever. Yeah. Right? Well, and at the same point, I do think that the rules matter because at some point, if we just toss all the rules out the window, we're just sitting around telling a story, which can be fun, but that's not the premise of what we signed up for really. So it's, it's a balance I think is, is the answer, but I think we both lean much more toward the fun over the rules. If you're making us pick a or B. Yeah, A and B is best, but A or B is I'm going to have fun over whatever the rules say, and I'm going to make sure that my players are having fun over whatever the rules say. Yeah, yeah. Like, as long as everybody at the table is having a good time, we're doing good. It's the minute that everybody at the table is like, oh, man, you know, Bob's way too overpowered because you guys overruled this. All right, fine. Let me fix Bob's character. Mm -hmm. Which... You know, and I don't know, does that tie into, you know, the other question or topic idea we got was, you know, kind of the, the how much homebrew is okay. And then the Discord user clarified it to kind of like, as a player, you know, in, in character creation, how much homebrew is okay to introduce at the table. And that is a very, that's one of those ones that that's a very tough question to answer. And the reason that's a tough question to answer is because. I can't speak for you. I can't speak for your GM. I can't speak for your table. And that's all going to change depending on all of those factors. Yeah. I think that's, it's going to depend on the table. So I'll speak to my table and what I do most of the time. And then you can talk to your GM and see if he's okay or he or she's okay with that. Or they, we can, we let me start there. (laughs) <laughs> At my table, if you come up to me and go, hey, I got this thing, it's not in the book, but I want to do it, and you pitch it to me, I will look it over. I- I- I'll weigh a couple things. First off, I need to hear all the details, right? Like, I don't want... the. We all remember when we were little kids, and we would play cops and robbers, right? Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> You're playing with little Timmy, and nobody liked playing with Timmy because Timmy would always come up with, he'd always go, no, I wasn't shot. I got a shield. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you, yeah. Does that make sense? Like, No, yeah, exactly. No, I'm Godzilla. What? Like, no, Timmy. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> we didn't set those rules up when we started the game. 
that's not how that works. You don't get to be like, uh, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, it, it's that, it, I mean, there isn't an answer that, that, that we can give anybody to, to that question. I don't think as far as a, this much is okay. It depends on, like you said, your table, your GM, the premise of the campaign, the, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And, and I think, you know, I fall much like you do. And, and we mentioned this when we were, you know, talking just between us before we started recording that we both have kind of a penchant for going, well, I kind of want to do this, but I don't see a rule for it. But my first step as a player at that point, and, and kind of what I would expect from players if I'm running the game is you come to me and say, hey, this is kind of what I want to do. Is there a way we can make this happen? Right. And that's another important step is you and the GM sitting down and figuring out how to make the thing works or don't. I mean, some GMs just will not have, they just will not have that homebrew stuff at a table. We played with a GM that wouldn't have any homebrew stuff at the table at all. And Mm. that's a choice that they could make. Is it one that I'll make personally? No, but that's again, that's a personal choice. And I think one of the things that oftentimes happens is, well, you know, you want to make that fast and loose. Yeah, let's go ahead and have the homebrew stuff at the table. It's fine. While simultaneously, it's like, man, I really didn't want to include that. So you should have said something. Right. Like as a GM, you should have been like, let's work this out together rather than just letting your players have carte blanche, because that can make it not again. It has to be fun. You as the GM are there to keep it fun for everyone. Mm -hmm. If it's you and another player and they want to do a homebrew thing and you're okay with it, fine. But if there's more than just that other player at the table, you need to make sure that it's fun for everybody. Right. Yeah. Also, I think it's important at that stage, too, to, what do you want to say? This is where, again, rules versus fun all ties into this, because we had a situation where we were kind of doing this kind of weird mishmash thing, and it wasn't really defined what all we were mishmashing together. And I think that created problems between what we thought we were doing, what the GM thought we were doing, what we thought each other was doing. And it just kind of led to a situation, I think, where a lot of us were just kind of like, eh. Yeah, exactly. You know, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't good. And it was just awkward. Yeah, it was, again, one of those situations. We've talked about that a lot before, too, is is the sometimes you're not the right people for that table. And sometimes it's not the right group at the right time. And that's when you just have to walk away. And we Mm -hmm. did. We waited for an opportune moment and just went, yeah, this ain't it, you know? Yeah. Well, and and the other thing is, is that sometimes certain people can be good in one capacity to play with and not in another. Right. And that's a really, it's a really hard thing. Not everyone is everyone's GM, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like sometimes they're fine to play with and then terrible with GMing. And that's your personal opinion. Sometimes they're terrible at playing and find a GM. That's also fine. Yeah. Not everybody is, you know, not everybody's cut out for every role and role play. And sometimes 
sometimes it's just a personal preference thing. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe the right table would have liked that person more than, you know, we care for as far as having him as a GM. Maybe the right table would have, you know, said something about it. But I think at this point, and, you know, I, I don't, I'm not ousting anybody or saying anything, but at this point, personally, I just was like, okay, I'm going to look for the next opening and I'm out the door. Yeah. And it, it's hard to extract yourself gracefully. Well, yes, but I think there are things you can do that can get you, can extract yourself gracefully. One of those things is, and I don't recommend this, but I did it myself. You can play more dangerously, play more forward. And, you know, maybe your character will get off. And at that point you just go, I don't really feel like making another character. If I'm honest, I'm out. Yeah. Although also at that point, sometimes the game, if you kind of open up and, and, and start playing more dangerous, sometimes the, the dynamic shifts and it becomes more fun. Well, yeah, that's another thing is that doing that, that can make the game more fun. I've been there where I was like, well, I'm going to play more dangerously. And then all of a sudden now I'm having a blast. Yeah. But yeah. It, that's not a bad thing. That's not anything that I'm like, oh man, you know, man, I didn't want to be stuck in this game. No, now I'm having fun again. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But at the same time, Sometimes when you're playing more dangerously, it's it's literally just as a way to find an out to make yourself an exit because you common courtesy is a thing where you just don't want to be like, eh, I'm gone. I'm done. I can't do this. You know, like, yeah. And I think, you know, playing online adds another layer to that, too, you know, because in some cases, I mean, you get to know people playing online. You know, I've got people that I consider friends that I've played online with at this point. but it's a different it's a different beast it's a different yeah, world it, it feels different to walk away from an in-person table than it does an online table yeah you know yeah, uh, uh, an in-person table man it's hard to walk away from an in-person table yeah especially if they're people who you might you, encounter in your regular life or people that you enjoy doing other things with <laughs> yeah that's that's where it gets so like like look, I, I really enjoy hanging out with this person, but they drive me crazy to play RPGs with. That's a awkward situation. You can't just deuces it out. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's boy. And I think too, you know, they're also like, I think maybe some people might be a good DM in person or GM in person, but maybe not so much online. Just because line of, adds online adds a layer of difficulty because you can't see what the faces. Well, you can depending on the group, but most of the time you can't see the faces of the people that you're playing with. Even that, even with cameras and, and, you know, Skype or zoom or discord or whatever you're using, you don't get the body language the same. No, no, I, I can't see when you're sitting there doodling on your iPad. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and also, to be completely honest, I think the challenge to hold engagement is at a different level when you're GMing online because your players are sitting there at a computer, which, I mean, we all know is this extremely good at multitasking entertainment device. Yeah, and as somebody who has ADHD, I I find myself, like, trying to stay engaged, even, <laughs> like, 
I'll, I'll, I have to bring up like, like currently. Okay. Perfect example of this. We're carrying on this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I have Facebook drive through discord and a couple other things open mm-hmm. on Facebook. I just have it open to the videos page. I'm not actively watching any of them. I just like having the little bit of motion on my screen because it helps me disassociate to something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like when I'm GMing, I can't have any of that stuff open. I have to have like a a notes, a notes app in front of me and that's it. Yeah. Because I will end up lost. I'll end up like, I don't know where I'm at. Give me just a second here. You're fine. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, let's let's switch topics. Let's talk about while you're doing that. I'm going to talk to you about my favorite thing, okay? Which is I've talked about it before and I talk about it almost granted we weren't recording the first season it came out, but sa- last season and then this season again. Love Death and Robots is one of my favorite adult animated TV shows ever. Period. Hands down. Fair. If you don't know what that is, it is a Netflix animated anthology series all surrounding those three topics. Love, death, and robot. So it's sci-fi, it's eldritch horror, it's uh, mostly those two. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly those two. I've been meaning to check it out, I just haven't yet. You gotta get on it. Like, I wish I lived closer to you because I would show up at your house and be like, all right, we're watching this today. <laughs> the The episodes are somewhere between 10 minutes and an hour, depending uh, on... Go ahead. No, no, that's just kind of a surprising spread. It depends on who's directing what the story is and how long they need to tell it. You know what, though? That's not a bad thing, I don't think. Not in an anthology series. No, not at all. Because that's always the problem with an anthology is like, with the anthologies, you're like, man, this could have ended like 10 minutes sooner, or this could be like 20 minutes longer. No, I think, yeah, like I'll draw this and, and I think you'll understand what I, I used to love to watch the cut down Saturday Night Lives. They used to play on Comedy Central all the time. Yeah. Yep. I almost can't watch actual Saturday Night Live reruns because so right. many of the bits go, go too twice long. as long as they need to be. Right. right. For, my, for me anyway. No, but, and that's, that's why I like Love, Death and Robots because they don't, there's a couple that stick around for too long. And it's very clear that the, uh, that the people in charge are just like, well, we want this to be this long. Right. Yeah. But no, they just let it, nothing sticks, nothing really sticks around too long. And the stories are good enough that even the bad ones that did stick around too long, you've moved on to the next one anyways, and maybe it's only five minutes, but it's probably the best animated five minutes you've ever seen. Fair. Yeah, it's weird. Well, we were talking about it a little bit before, you know, before we turned the recordings on, but like, I think we both occasionally get in these spaces where we want to consume something that, like for me, okay, because of what I do for my job, I can listen to podcasts virtually all day long. I can put on YouTube or especially like documentaries type stuff on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and really more listen to them than watch them. Right. And so sometimes I'll do that on something that may be sort of gaming related, but not really, you know, it may be something that's, it's a historical documentary, but boy, I could use this, you know, the stuff that 
that they're talking about, I can use bits and pieces of it to influence, you know, something with games. There was a, I think it's on Netflix. There was a pretty good documentary about piracy and it was, it was pretty neat and how narrow of a window a lot of it was and just different stuff about it and whatnot. And it, it was entertaining to listen to. The one that I kind of got into and, and really kind of just like overload binged most recently was the, um, it's on discovery or history or one of those, the secret of skinwalker ranch. Well, okay. Start watching it. And I'm like, this feels a little weird. So I get a break or whatever. And I start going on skinwalker ranch is a little weird. <laughs> well, okay. It is. So, but watching the show, it was like, this just feels kind of put on. Well, did a little bit of research and turns out the current owner who does feature in the TV show bought the property trademarked the name, registered a logo with the express purpose of basically making TV and internet content and selling merchandise and so forth. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's like Mothman. It's... So, but this is a property in a region that has a long documented history of unidentified aerial phenomena, etc. Oh, yeah. No, Skinwalker Ranch is cool. I... I... So, but the team that he's got together and, and the guy who's kind of, I don't want to call him the host, but he sort of is, he's sort of the central character, if you will, is this, and he's been on TV before. I forget. He was some show called redneck rocket, something or other, but he's, he's from Alabama. He's got a not super thick, but very pronounced Southern accent, but he holds like five master's degrees (laughs) and a PhD in basically astrophysics. I forget exactly what it, but you know, he's got degrees and all kinds of stuff from electrical engineering up through, you know, he legitimately does stuff for NASA. Right. So he's kind of, if you will, I don't want to say the head researcher, but kind of the, the, the front man for the show and they're doing all this stuff and, and whatever. And, but they're coming up with, you know, they are doing scientific experiments that are producing interesting results. And I think to me, that's kind of what's interesting about it. It's not that, oh, I'm, I'm bought in by the show. It's more like, oh, they're finding things that could explain there being unusual things here. Like for, and I won't get into all the science of it, but there's a theory they're kind of working on that because of the soil composition and possible, you know, there's a theory that may have been the site of a large meteor impact long, long ago. And that the soil may actually have extremely conductive layers in it, which could actually make the actual dirt there work like a battery. Again, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's far fetched. And I know they're building it up for the television show, but it, for me, it was kind of a palate cleanser. And yet at the same point, I'm going, Oh, there's all sort of freaky stuff here. I could use if I run, you know, haunted West or Delta green or anything. Yeah. You know, just because I think for me, running games like that, one of the things that I enjoy doing and I enjoy watching the reactions of, of players is when you present something that seems weird, but you can at least have a plausible mundane explanation for it. That sometimes is more of unsettling is the right word, oh, you mean but like it a... actually grabs your players harder than yeah. this is weird made up stuff. You mean like a crazy cat lady? There's an example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that because that's like some serious content stuff. Well, yeah, but th- yeah, that was that was a little little weird. 
<laughs> but yeah, but it's not unrealistic. <laughs> no, it well, and and yeah, it, but like sometimes I think yeah, it is good to just sort of step away, but maybe not entirely step away. Yeah, stay grounded, but don't go too crazy. Yeah, that's that's a horror rule. That's a <laughs> but I mean, hey, look, if you enjoy whatever, like I found it. And I've not watched the show other than having seen a few minutes of it because it happened to be on after something my wife was watching or something. Found out through various things. There's a, a pretty big name game designer we've talked to who is borderline obsessed with the Gilmore Girls. Private message me who? I will. Because I would like to speak with them because I have a thing. <laughs> I have a thing that I'm sure they have, but oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely sure he has that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, look, it, 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 you know, like, look, I also, and, and look, it's it's not, uh, if you've listened to the show, you know I'm a bit of a gearhead. I love watching off-road motorcycle racing. Uh-huh. It, it's just a thing for me. It has nothing at all to do with gaming, you know, but I find it fun. And it's sort of a break for me sometimes. It'll just be like, yeah, no, I don't have to think about anything, whatever. I can just watch the race. Yeah, I feel that. And I don't know what that ties into, but it does somehow. My brain got there. Yeah. You know what it ties into? What? I think Game of the Week. Game of the Week? Okay. Ties into Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right. So you got something you want to go first? Or do you want me to? I can go first. Yeah, sure. All right. Let's let you go first. Hey, uh, where you work? Are you union by chance? No. Okay. I've worked a lot of jobs and been union, mm-hmm. and uh, I found a game okay called Dungeon Local 001, and it's about, it's a reverse dungeon crawl about the monsters exploring the caves in the area and looking to make it a better place to live. And when I first saw it, I thought, I was like, oh man, is this a game about playing monsters in a dungeon that are all unionized? And you could play it that way. Absolutely could play it mm-hmm. like that. Um, like you're just all a local union. Like <laughs> that's Bob. He's a kobold. He's here to sweep the floors. This is Susie. Um, Susie is the Goliath that is picking stalactites so they don't fall on people. Like <laughs> each player creates their own character defined by the job they perform under the old overlord. Players turn generating random encounters like hallways full of traps, underground t- underground takes full of beasts or other denizens, and then drawing them on a map. So you're basically using the players to create a dungeon. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the local union you call to hire to build the dungeons. <laughs> it's, it looks it's uh, forged in the dark too. Yeah, yeah. It's all of ten dollars for the PDF. I it's so goofy. I'm picking this up. I you know what I would probably do is I'd play this and once you have all the map, you turn around and make run it your players yeah, run it in D and D or whatever. Make them <laughs> make them play in their own sandbox. Make them feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I played that character. No, no, I'm not killing them. <laughs> Yeah, that does look fun though. Dungeon local yeah. one, or yeah, Dungeon local zero zero one. It, I think it should be called something else. But hey, I understand the the feel that they're going for. Like I said, I I think it's funny the idea of like 
your your lo- your local dungeon was built by a monster union. Like, <laughs> I just I don't know. I like it. I think that's goofy. Yeah, no, it looks that looks entertaining. All right, are you done then? Yeah, that's it's short, sweet, and to the point. All right. Well, I found one, um, and it's called No Day to Die. Okay, James Bondish game. Uh, yes. Yeah, kind of. The name kind of gives it away. But what this actually is is a solo super spy RPG. Oh well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and so you know the it's yeah it's it's well it says No Way to Die is a solo role playing game inspired by the greatest series of spy movies ever made. A single player assumes the role of a British government secret agent and then plays out various high stakes various high stakes spy missions in exotic locations around the world. Runs off. A deck of cards, so no dice. It says it is not based on, you know, like verb noun tables and continuous yes no questions. Right. And uh, yeah, it just, I mean, okay, it says it uses the card shark RPG rules, which are included. Little, you know, 48 page game, 48 page PDF, sets you back bucks. all the six bucks on drive through. Yeah. Solo game, but something neat, something fun. You know, again, it, it might serve as inspiration if you wanted to do more of a, like a campaign, you know, like that's the other thing, right? Some of these games, maybe we're not going to ever actually play the games themselves, but they could be used as tools to build other things, you know? And that, that to me is the fascinating part of this hobby is, is not just the games themselves, but how can you take them apart and use them? You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's cool. I dig it. Well, I think... Unless you have more to add to that. I don't think so. With all of that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening. Sorry about, I've been a little more scatterbrains than usual. I've cut grass yesterday and was having an allergy attack today. So it's been a little rough, but (laughs) (laughs) again, we want to thank you for listening. Remind you as always links to everything are in the show notes, including, but not limited to the links to the con will be in October. Uh, that is the Pittsburgh gaming expo. Uh, and our Patreon, and our Discord, and our, and our, and our. (laughs) With all that being said, we want to remind you to be kind to one another, get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. What was that? The rabbits. No (laughs) recording. No recording. Oh, my. Whatever will we do? Oh, 66. I won't try to sing because it sounds bad. (laughs) But uh, it's my intro. Is it? Yep. Okay. Come here. Come here. Come here. Damn it. Thank you. I was going to say, I mean, I could. Well, no, I don't know where you live, so I can't. (laughs) I mean, sort of. I can get in the reasonable vicinity, but.
Yeah, you get a pretty rough idea, but... All right. Shall we do the thing? Let's do the shenanigans. Shenanigans commencing in three, two, run! Bing bong. Bing bong. <sighs> All right, I'm going. Have a good night. <laughs>